Welcome to Understanding the Law Radio, your business success and legal information station. And now, your host, Peter Lamont. Hi, and thanks for joining me for this episode of Understanding the Law Radio. I'm your host, Peter Lamont, here with my co-host, Brendan. How you doing? Good. Today, I want to talk about um, something that I saw while I was driving through a town. Roadkill? No, but that is Not touched this time. in another episode of this yes. podcast. No, <laughs> I was driving uh, through Jersey and I had uh, I pulled up to a stop sign and I look over to my left and there's this dog grooming place. Oh. And it said Snoopy's dog grooming. His and, dog grooming? Well, there was a mural of Snoopy, Snoopy. the actual Snoopy. Charlie Brown Snoopy. So might he own that place? I don't think he does, and I think that's the problem. Really? And then that got me to thinking about trademark issues, copyright issues, infringement, and fair use claims. What a fun thing to think about. Yes, because I'm thinking to myself as I'm sitting there. Right. You know, does anybody know out there that this company is using Snoopy, his image, his likeness, to promote their dog grooming business. Good and grief. How good good grief exactly. And how would that play out because you know what? You know who does not take too kindly to having their image and likeness used to promote other businesses? Snoopy? No. Oh. No, I don't know. He doesn't talk, but you know who does and who is very verbal oh, about yes. it? Who oh, is it? Oh, yes. Dr. Seuss. Well, I was thinking of Mickey Mouse. Oh. Mickey, Mickey Mouse. Mouse. Uh, well, well, we, we're going to touch on Dr. We Seuss later. Touch on Dr. Thought Seuss. you were jumping there now. All right. No, I, I, Mickey Mouse. No, he's absolutely not happy. Disney. Mickey Mouse goes after you. Yeah. Like nobody's business. Absolutely. When they even smell infringement, right? They are are not shy at all. So Disney, talking about them for a minute, they have with their old, their new, all their characters. Right. They have so many intellectual property rights and it's aimed specifically at preventing people from using the characters' names or images to try to sell or promote their own products. Right. Right? Not not doesn't fly. No, it doesn't. And and here's what we're going to talk about real quick before we get into some of these other topics. But Everyone says fair use. If you look right. on Instagram or if you look on YouTube, or there's always the fair use disclaimer, mm-hmm. right? I'm using this song, fair use. I'm using this image, fair use. I'm a photographer. I'm using this fair use. Well, nobody seems to know fair, what fair use is. Just right. because I say fair use doesn't mean it's fair use. Exactly. You can't make a, a Star Wars movie and, you know, Star Wars, Attack of the Clones 2, fair use. Right, exactly. No, you can't do that. You're, right. you're going to get... So there's only choked by the mouse himself. That's he wouldn't. Walt even, Disney rises from the grave as a ghost. Yes, to come and haunt you. He makes his way out of the freezer at Disneyland to attack you. That's right. Now, fair use is an exception to copyright and trademark infringement claims, right? And it's allowed to broadly provide. I shouldn't say broadly to provide freedom. Of expression. Right. But it's limited. It's not broad at all. It's limited to a set of particular fair use items. Mm-hmm. For example. Parody was one of them, right? Yes. Fair use permissible um, 
uh, forms of, of of use, I guess. Right, right. Parody, right. criticism, okay. teaching, and transformative use. So that's how something like uh, a Spaceballs uh, would get made and not right. attacked, because Spaceballs is pretty clearly mocking Star Wars, but it's parodying Star Wars, so that's allowed to exist. That's right. And if I were to do a taste test on YouTube between Coke and Pepsi, right? I can use Coke and Pepsi yes. and their logos because... I'm doing a review. Right. So that falls under fair use. Or if I want to show a clip of a movie and uh-huh. I'm a teacher to my class. Got it. I'm not infringing because it's for educational purposes. Understood. Now, transformative use. Yeah. What does transformative mean exactly? Is, well, here's the legal definition. You add something new with a further purpose or different character. It doesn't substitute the original use. Right. Okay. Um, but it has changed and given a different look to it completely. So, um, other examples would be let's see here. Um, going back to the original case, which was a 1994 case, the Supreme Court had, had looked at the rap group, Two Live Crew. Right. right. Um, and it was a case, I believe it was Campbell versus. Akaf Rose or something like that. I don't remember the exact um, name of the case, but it was 1994 and the band had borrowed the opening musical tag and words uh, for Pretty Woman. I think it was like, oh, Pretty Woman walking down the street. But the rest of the the lyrics were different, right? And uh, this decision by the Supreme Court basically ruled that borrowing was fair use. Understood. And it was, it was the decision was was in in part colored by the fact that um, so little material was borrowed and that it had transformed mm-hmm. the original work. And right it became something that was was a new addition to the fair use doctrine called transformative use. Got so it. in the two live crew case, the use of the lyrics was transformative because they poked fun at the norms of what was considered pretty. So the inquiry that the Supreme Court looked at was whether or not the new work merely supersedes the objects of the original creation mm-hmm. or whether and to what extent it's transformative. In other words, altering the original with new expression, meaning, or message. That's that's what the Supreme Court ruled. The more Got transformative it. a new work is, the less significant the infringement is because understood fair use is actually you're still infringing in a sense Mm -hmm. but there's exceptions to that and that's what we're talking about here a lot of information here yeah so look the the fair the the fair use is complicated it is not something that you can go out and slap fair use onto and say here it is. So you and, think that Snoopy might have a problem. Right. And I think that the transformative fair use is, since it's relatively new in the world of, right. of, of law, it's also extremely confusing. So, for example, uh, there was something called the uh, Harry Potter Encyclopedia, and it was determined to be slightly transformative because it made the Harry Potter terms and lexicons available in one volume but it was not enough to justify fair use. Right. So Warner Brothers sued this book 
um, in federal court in 2008 saying you can't make the tra- the Harry Potter en- en- encyclopedia. It's that's not transformative. Right. Right. Another one is, um, let's see, a uh, mo- uh, monster movie art. Got it. So there's a publisher of a monster magazine in the 1950s, 60s, and 70s that sued the creator and publisher of a book, famous monster movie art of Basil Gogos, who had created the covers for the original magazines. And the book publisher had attain- obtained licenses from the artist directly, but not from the magazine publisher. Interesting. Who claimed copyright for the original made-for-hire artwork. Right. And the court determined that the use was transformative, that there was that, that the use was for a biography and retrospective of the art of the artist, not simply a series mm-hmm. of covers of magazines. Right. So that makes sense. Yeah. So that they determined to be transformative. But again, we're talking about very complicated issues. You can't just say fair use. So so what was what I was saying earlier about Dr. Seuss, we should we should touch on that briefly. Yeah, well, uh, before we go to that, let me tell you about this one. I'm very excited for the Dr. Seuss story. Yeah, but there's, here's a transformative <laughs> use case with Dr. Seuss. Okay. An author mimicked the style of a Dr. Seuss book while retelling the facts of the O.J. Simpson murder trial. It was called The Cat Not in the Hat, a parody by Dr. Juice. This thing went up to the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals and determined that the book was a satire, not a parody, because the book did not poke fun at or ridicule Dr. Seuss. Right. So parody is poking fun at the original. Satire is different than a parody, right? So because this book didn't poke fun at Dr. Seuss, instead it merely used the Dr. Seuss characters and style to tell the story of the murder Right. The author's work was, in the eyes of the court, non-transformative for commercial use. Now, I would like to know what this book says. Yeah, I'm really interested in seeing something about this. I want to read The Cat Not in the Hat. Interesting. A parody by Dr. Juice. So if you have read that book, please let me know. Post a comment on our social media pages. Please, Instagram, tell us about yeah, this. You've got to look. As a matter of fact, it looks like it might be available. Really? On Amazon. Oh, there's also, if you go to YouTube, a video reading of the cat not in the hat. Interesting. And they, they again, call it a parody by Dr. Juice, but it's not a parody. The back of the book says in this wickedly clever and hilariously funny rendition of the O.J. Simpson trial, Dr. Juice recounts in rhyming verse the highlights of the case and the personalities involved. Beginning in Brentwood, the happy town inside L.A. where rich folks play the day away, it moves on to the Bronco chase with a pal named A.J. and Cato Kalin, a house guest who's faithful 100%. From the cases presented by Marsha Clark and the dream team to the witnesses and jury, injury, perjury, his jury, her jury, and the verdict that dresses the cat goes free. The cat, not in the hat, is pure poetry. A fresh new look at a much-told tale that trial watchers everywhere will enjoy. That's fascinating. I didn't even know we were going to talk about this Neither did I. The picture on the cover is of of O.J. Simpson holding a bloody glove with a Dr. Seuss cat in the hat hat on. Wow. That is something. 
That is really funny. Really? Anyway, we're not talking about the book, no. although we did. We did. But the one thing that, that you wanted to talk about was involving a photographer. Yes, because uh, photographer Kim Durham has been making uh, international news. Well, she made international news when the story dropped. Uh, she did kids' photo shoots, and they were themed about the Grinch. They showed the kids screaming and crying, afraid of uh, the Grinch, or obviously it was a guy dressed up as the Grinch. And everybody loved him because it's funny. You know, it's a nice Christmas photo shoot. Oh, my gosh, the Grinch, your kid's screaming. But, you know, who was not happy? Dr. Seuss. Because, well, okay, he is dead. Dr. Seuss is dead. But um, the company who owns the rights to the character, the Grinch, emailed her and said, uh, stop. They sent her a cease and desist. Um, and that was that. She was not happy with it. Uh, the email insists she removes and destroys any and all promotional materials and photographs for the Grinch photo shoots, whether print or digital, that incorporate the Dr. Seuss intellectual property or similar variations thereof. And it ends with uh, asking for acknowledgement of the notice within seven days and invites her to provide a copy of any relevant authorization if she believes her work is not infringing on the company's copyright. And, you know, she's not the only photographer to do this. I no. have seen photographers, even photographers here in, in New Jersey, right, that promote actively on social media pictures of their kids that, you know, or their, their clients, right. children, in front of Barbie, in front of Star Toy Wars. Story. Star, yeah. And, yeah, and absolutely. There's this one photographer that I, I've seen um, who's notorious for printing pictures mm -hmm. from the internet. I don't know. She's a large printer. Like I remember seeing one of a Flintstone set right? where she didn't have the permission to use the Flintstones. She printed these images, stuck them onto cardboard, put them in the set and made a Flintstone set unauthorized. Yabba dabba. Don't do that. That's right. That's right. And that is a violation. So it's infringement. She's selling these photo sessions. Mm-hmm with the Flintstones and other things on it that she really shouldn't be be doing. Absolutely. That's insane. It, it's infringing use, but you know what? People are going to argue what's fair use when they don't even understand what fair use is. So when you hear somebody say to you, hey, it's fair use, right? It, it, it's not always fair use. Fair use is a case-by-case -case basis. It is complicated. It is not something that... You know, you can just say, hey, it's fair use. It, mm -hmm. it just doesn't work that, that that way. And there's difference between copyright and trademark. Even though they're both intellectual property rights, they're different. And you've right. got to have a, 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 an understanding of the difference before you can just simply say, well, you know, it's fair use. And, and so this not only applies to things like books and videos and... Um, you know, the, the, the dog washing place that I saw. Right. But I think that you and I were talking before the show yeah, the, of a place that you know of. Well, yes, and I'd like to tie that in with a story I read, actually. Um, items on your menu, restaurant menu, could get you sued because uh, recently uh, there was a restaurant that had a dessert known as the Derby Pie uh, on their menu. It's a... Similar to the pecan pie, it has a splash of bourbon and chocolate chips. And Kentuckians consider derby pies to be 
the name for that type of recipe, the, the catch-all for anything like that. But the trouble is that Kern's Kitchen in Louisville trademarked the name Derby Pie. So any restaurant that lists that on its menu can get in trouble. And I found that fascinating because, you know, that's a very interesting story. Uh, slightly crazy. Imagine if you put the word Derby Pie on your menu and you get, you know, a cease and desist letter from some restaurant. Yeah, but, you know, I've seen that a lot. You know, when, when my kids were little, I remember going to places and... Um, you know, you'd see, I'd, I'd like the SpongeBob. Right, or yeah, I'd I actually like know the... a diner near us specifically that has um, all kinds of items like that on the kids' menu. It's the SpongeBob, the Mickey Mouse, the, you know, and I, and I went to a, an Italian restaurant a number of years ago, and they had Mickey-shaped pizzas you can get, which is certainly not authorized by Right, Disney. and they were advertising. It was, As right, the, like the Mickey, Mickey Mouse, Mouse pizza, yeah, and so that's pretty, you know, that, that's definitely not allowed. So, yeah. No. And, and I mean, beyond just naming your food item as something that's trademarked, naming it as a character is, you know, that's a surefire way to get in trouble. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I know a, one specific diner that I find very interesting near me. It is the Gotham City Diner. Now, uh, clearly, I know what you're thinking of, Batman. And yes, it is Batman. Is it Gotham Diner or Gotham? No, it's Gotham City Diner. Okay. Uh, it's on the sign outside the restaurant. And, you know, it makes you say, oh, my gosh, you live near Gotham City? No, we're not that lucky. But we live near a town that ha or I, I live near a town that has uh, the Gotham City Diner in it. And it's a really good diner. It uh, They give you, you a know, lot of food. They do give you a lot of food, yeah. Only once it was cold. <laughs> Never forgot that time. But, again, not the point. It's a good restaurant, and it's clearly themed after Batman. They've got superheroes on the walls. Uh, the, the, well, Batman-related well, superheroes. Well, right, right, not just any superheroes. It's specifically Gotham City, Batman-inspired superheroes, but they don't explicitly have Batman. That's the deal there. So, you know, I, I find it interesting that they're able to call their restaurant the Gotham City Diner. You've got, you know, clearly inspired by the classic Batman comics and the uh, Michael Keaton Batman movie with theming, you know. I remember when I was little... I believe they had like batarang chicken nuggets, but don't yeah, quote me on they that. They might have. I, I think I remember that, but I, my recollection is slightly different from yours. I remember um, characters of Batman up on the walls really? in the Gotham, yeah, city diner. Because I remember recently they have no, they have like Batman, but he has no ears and no bat symbol, and it's like a G instead. Well, that might be. Um, Something along those lines. Either way, though, I mean, it's pretty clearly, you know, Gotham City, that alone is... Well, see, I don't think Gotham City is, is the issue. No, I don't think so. I think, I, I don't think, I mean, because Gotham, I gotta look that up. I don't think that that's, that's protected. Right. Um, but I, I now, now I'm so curious that Me I've got to pull it up online real quick to see the interior of the, of the diner. Now, when you go the outside, it says Gotham City Diner. And it's got um, like a, a little cityscape in the background there, and you can kind of see. Right, it's it's slightly um, themed, slightly superhero themed, slightly because yeah. as I'm looking through the pictures that are online, it doesn't it, it doesn't exaggerate it. it doesn't as a matter it, of fact, now I don't know when these pictures were taken, but it seems less and less. Okay, there's one picture here on the wall of what appears to be. Gotham City with the right. bat sign. Interesting. Right, with the bat light. So There's a question. Is it the exact same symbol? 
Well, I don't think it's the exact same symbol, and this is a painting. Got it. How crazy. So if I purchase a painting right. of Batman. And you hang it on your restaurant And I hang wall, it on my wall. Is there a problem with that? Is that infringing if I have a license or ownership right oh, to that painting. picture? Wow. But now I'm calling my diner Gotham. So assume that Gotham City or Gotham Diner or Gotham is not trademarked or copyright protected in any way then perhaps this is permissible in addition to the fact that it is not the same bat symbol. Right. Interesting. That is interesting. See, it raises a lot of questions, you know? Well, that's There's why... There's also a... Oh, yeah, go ahead. That's why, you know, intellectual property disputes aren't easily resolved. They're, they're, when I say they're Not as black with, and white as people would think. No. You know? when, when I and it's say, also not as easy to get away with things you think would be fine. Right. That's why I say that these things are dealt with on a case-by-case basis, meaning right. that every single intellectual property dispute case has different varying factors. It's not easy right. to simply say, hey, this is fair use because I'm not making any money off of it. That mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily matter. Right. As a matter of fact, that brings me back to a point which we may or may not have touched on um, on a prior episode, but there's that YouTuber who does Star Wars. I think his name is Star Wars Theory. Oh, yeah, the yeah, channel. he did. And he put together a fan film right. for which he had Disney's permission and for which he did not receive any money because Disney gave him permission to do the film so long right. as he didn't profit. That was the rule. You can't make any money off of this. It can just be a pure fan film. Right. And somebody didn't get the memo. And when he used music from, well, I can't remember who it was, because it was like Lucasfilm's music, Lucasfilm production. Like there's different right. entities, right? Um, they sent a copyright notice to him and demanded that he take everything down and and you know not move forward with the film. Uh-huh. And then you know their wires got because like the music, right? It was the music, yeah. And then ultimately everything was was fine, right? Um, but interesting, you know, with with that channel. It's a lot of theory and commentary, uh-huh. and so he'd have he'd be, maybe have an argument there. The whole the whole thing is interesting. Now, I, I I have not looked at his channel to see if there's a fair use notice that he's slapped onto each thing. Right. Um, I'll do that as we're looking, but it's definitely something to think about. You, you know, I think what's interesting is that when people see YouTube channels, so for example, Star Wars Theory, right? Yeah. You look at it and you think to yourself, well, he's the entire channel is Star Wars. Right. Everything about it is Star Wars. He's using images of books. He's using, mm-hmm. you know, ca- characters. And, and, you know, his thumbnails are all of the actual characters. So people wonder... With 3 million subscribers, how is someone like this, you know, getting away, lack of a better term, with using these characters and having discussions about it? And it's, it's, it's interesting because, you know, this is likely based off of the argument of fair use. Mm -hmm. And what is it? Is it commentary? Is it education? What's the exception to 
fair use. Now, when he has images of um, like like the movies or right. um, the shows or the, the the cartoons and things like that, right? Then it's it's probably commentary and review, and then that would be permissible under fair use. But what I wonder is, it, clearly Disney's aware of this. Do they allow him to do this channel where some of his content may be objectionable and and uh, violate their trademark, right. intellectual property rights? Do they allow him to do this because this generates more interest for Star Wars and Disney? Does it connect Star Wars to a younger audience or a different audience? Right. And does it ultimately financially benefit Disney? That's something you have to think about. Because, for example, you've got a ton of these YouTubers that go into the Disney parks and they make their living off of Disney World. They've not created right, one absolutely. piece of original content other than their discussion or reviews about the, the park. Right. You know, and so you have to wonder. Yeah, absolutely. And, and somebody like this guy, this... It, it's very, very... I'd just like to cut you off here. It's very interesting because there's no clear-cut answer. It's not like, well, this is this way or this is that way. The laws are in such a way that each side has a has a unique argument. You know what I mean? Like it's every... Like you said, case by case. It, it's a fascinating question. It is. And and this guy, you know, and, and uh, not to discredit him in any way, but this guy that does the Star Wars Theory Channel. So he's got... Almost 3 million subscribers on Star Wars Theory. Right. But then he has Cobra Kai Theory, where... Really? Yeah, he has a channel with 138,000 subscribers where he talks about Cobra Kai. Then he's got... This has to be him, too. Harry Potter Theory. Really? Yeah. You're sure these are all the same person? These are all the same person with 318,000. Well, I should start 000. getting into this. I should make a, a theory channel about something. How about, um? come on, help me out here. Uh, we could do Marvel Theory, DC Theory. He did a Marvel Theory for are a while. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Um, He's beat me to it. So <sighs> it's it's really insane. He also yeah. has a uh, an arcade channel. Oh, my gosh. Arcade Theory? And here's one of his uploads. I hired Kermit the Frog voice actor to play Warzone. Really? Yeah. Interesting. And that that one that has like a fun video. A hundred thousand subscribers. So yeah, well, millions of subscribers, and it's generating revenue. Yeah. Interesting though. Like he's done this Cobra Kai. He did an interview with uh, someone from the show, someone associated with the show. Um, but you know he's got videos like. Where was Johnny Lawrence during Karate Kid 2? Right. Now, it, it, it's theory, but he's using the characters. Right. And so... What it, would that constitute? What is the fair yeah. use? Because at some point, right, mm -hmm. you can infringe on somebody's copyright, uh -huh. but what if the copyright holder allows you to infringe because they're getting a benefit from your infringement. Interesting. So there's actually there's actually one more one more case here speaking of diners. There's a a diner somewhere, you know, relatively close to me and it's got all these cartoon characters on the walls, you know, Felix the cat, Mickey Mouse, uh Tweety Bird, 
all the Looney Tunes guys, uh, you know, Tom and Jerry, like any classic cartoon character. And that can't, that's not allowed. You know what I mean? That's clearly. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's interesting because that certainly helps the diner get recognition. It brings people to it. Yeah. People want to go and say like, oh yeah, that's the one with the funny cartoon characters. But it's not theirs. You know, they're taking other people's characters and using them for advertisement to their own business. They're not parodying it. They're not transforming it. They're not, you know, I think that's an instance of something that doesn't constitute fair use. You right. Know? Right. I mean, they're, they're, they're... But then there's the question of who's going to find this specific hidden away diner. Yeah, well, okay. People find it all the time. And you, you take, you run that risk yeah. of having somebody catch you. Now, right. when I was in law school, there was this discussion that was had about insurance and risk. Uh-huh. And it basically was about this doc case, which was, I mean, God, I don't even remember how many years old this case was. It was like mm-hmm. super old, right? Like right. maybe Moses old or something. But um, That's very old. The idea was that if you've got these docs and you don't insure these docs, and I'm paraphrasing and some of the facts are wrong, but this right. is the gist of it. Got it. You make a decision as to the, the, the cost benefit, risk benefit analysis. So if I don't insure these docs, Right. And I know I'm going to have an accident. What is the likelihood that I'm going to have an accident that would exceed the profits that I'm going to make by not having the insurance? So in other words, I'll go, I'll run the risk of having an accident because if I have one accident every 10 years, I'll make more money by saving it, not paying for the insurance. Understood. And so I think a lot of, of people either don't know, which is why we want you to listen to this podcast so you do know, or it's because they think to themselves, what's the risk? Right. You said it. You just said yeah. it. You said, who's going to catch them? Absolutely. Right? I yeah. mean, but but with social media, yeah. it's much easier. Very much. Right? Because these photographers. One selfie, one selfie sure. inside of a restaurant, and then suddenly, you know, the restaurant's getting threats. That's right. And and like you said, you know, the, the photography stuff. You put it on social media, somebody takes the picture and shares it, somebody says, hey, look at this cute picture that I took, and the next thing you know, you know, yeah, that they're they're knocking down your door because they right. don't want you to be profiting, so. Right, exactly. Which brings me back to my Disney point. They know these vloggers are using Disney images and things. Um, I mean, clearly the video footage that they shoot is is theirs, Right. But I'm, I'm sure that Disney recognizes the benefit to allowing exactly. people to yeah. post this content. So, right. Well, that was a little bit longer than I expected, but hopefully, um, you get a better idea of you know fair use and yeah, what exactly that entails. Yeah, and how I, complicated I, the process is. That's right. It is complicated. It really fits into those categories only, and I think it's important to understand that not everything you do simply because you slap fair use on it. Right. Qualifies as fair use. And this is hopefully helpful to all you people out there that are YouTubers. Everyone out there that's a YouTuber or uh, listens to this podcast and Mm -hmm. is considering YouTube or other social media promotions. Think about it. You know, not not everything is fair use. So. Right. Exactly. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. Thanks for joining us. Make sure that you subscribe. You can, you know, do so anywhere that you listen to podcasts. And Spotify, yeah. uh, Apple Podcasts. Amazon. Yeah. iHeartRadio. Stitcher. Podbean. Podbean. Uh, you name it, we are there. Google. Google Podcasts. Yeah. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you share this. Let other people know about this as well. We greatly appreciate it. 
And uh, but no th- matter what you do, don't make a podcast called Understanding the Law Radio because that won't be fair use. No, it won't, especially yeah. because it's trademarked. Right, and we will send a cease and desist. <laughs> so. All right, thanks for joining us. We will see you next time. Thank you for listening to Understanding the Law Radio. Make sure you follow Peter on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and stay tuned for future episodes.